Don't do your own research. You need a knowing one to tell you what this means. This is a lie meant to control you. You are smart enough to see for yourself. And this is Hyperborean Radio. I am Ike. And with me, as always, is Jeff. Hey, guys. How's it going? All right. Well, welcome to all the new listeners, the old listeners, the hate listeners, and the love listeners. Uh, and welcome to our latest patron, a Mr. Green Pepper 2, or Mrs., but everyone's a dude until you check. Yes. Until the dip test is done, and I ain't doing it. No. <laughs> But uh, if you want to support us, you can support us. You can give us a nice little tip on buy me a coffee, or you can also back us or on Patreon, Patreon which Spotify. Much, honestly, the, the, the boost to getting a Patreon to subscribing to us on Patreon is we post it there first, usually a day or two. And occasionally our notes early. or stuff we're yeah, working on. Notes if we think about it. Yes. Uh, and then you can follow us on social medias. We're on most of the social medias, even if we don't want to be. But you can usually find us there, kind of. All right. So, uh, yeah, let's dive into this because um, it turns out this is a bigger topic than what we thought, even though it's remarkably simple. But, uh, yeah, you brought up something just before the show. I've, you worded it better than I did. It was the the we aren't trying to be knowing ones where the two uncles Basically, what it is is we're not trying to be knowing ones. We're not trying to be priests. We're not trying to be academics. We're not trying to be scholars. We're not trying to make your decisions for you. We are basically, we say it every time we advertise the podcast, your roughneck pagan uncles you wish you had and are glad you don't. Right. That is more or less what we are. We're two assholes here shooting the shit and saying it like it is. We already say, uh, and pretty much all we do is say the things that everybody already knows, but most people are afraid to whisper. Yes, or put stuff in context. Basically, yeah. we do... We ba- raise the questions. Yeah. And, and Everyone needs an asshole uncle that just tells it like it is. And really, there's a lot of people out there that thinks that they're alone and uh, because they look around and they see all this crazy and they're like, oh my goodness, I, I must... Well, they, they think they're I, broken because they and don't the like is, the crazy. you're not. They think they're broken because they don't like the crazy. And then, and this is part of why we decided to do this topic... Because the knowing ones say, everything is fine. Everything's fine. Or they'll have some boogeyman monster or whatever. But to start, probably should explain what a knowing one is. Oh, yeah. A knowing one, your Hyperborean vocab lesson of the day. Uh, A knowing one is basically the literal modern English translation of scientist. Right. And it's because we notice this as a as a problem and we're not against people learning a lot. And we're it's not, not a, the scientists themselves. No, it's, it's not the discipline necessarily. What it is, is we have taken scientists and figures of authority, which are all sort of classified as one amorphous. Well, group. let's break it down to it's the people that are actually doing the research and then their mouthpieces because the people actually doing the research have a tendency not to, they're not very social. No. Well, it's the issue of um, the person actually doing it versus the uh, the hype man. Right. And you need a hype man, but sometimes the hype man takes it too far. But what's happened with the knowing ones is it's taken to this extreme where people have completely outsourced their thinking. Like, it's gotten so bad there are now experts on sleep. And that sounds all well and good until you realize what the frick happened to society where we need people to remind us how to sleep. Yeah. This is a basic biological oh, function. Oh my goodness, do I have the right shape pillow? Is my is my bed? Do I need a more weighted blanket? Yes. Uh, like it's really got Did insane. I get enough REM sleep? Is are my dreams telling me I have hemorrhagic Scient- fever? Scientists say to eat more meat. Scientists say to eat more vegetables. Scientists say Scientists cake is good say for you. Scientists say that butter is evil. Scientists say well, and the thing is, really, and there's a lot of us here, you, me, and a good number of the uh, of the audience here listening, we're curious. So sometimes we actually go, I myself, I'm really guilty of this. I will go and I will look at, I will see the headline that says, scientists say butterfly wings are made out of sapphires. And I'm like, what? Okay, let's go see. So then I go and I find out what scientists supposedly said this, and that turns out, no, no, the scientists didn't say that at all. It's the hype man said that. Well, and what it is is it's essentially, tease that example. I think you made that one up. Oh, I, I, that one I made up. Yes, but let, let's use that as an example. What it might have been is a scientist had this one type of butterfly they were studying, and they discovered that the 
I don't know. The, the light the, refracted the through the wing is exactly is similar the same. to sapphires, yes. or there's a a certain component of it that's similar to what makes sapphires do sapphire things. And then the other person will be like, "It's made of sapphires." Yes, and it's the same. It's 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 a problem that has become very very broad, and has become very very hype, omnipresent because. People have essentially outsourced their ability to think, and they don't think that their thoughts, their own ability to think, actually matters. Now, I'll, I'll do this caveat really quick because there's also the opposite problem. Oh, People yes. that know absolutely nothing and then talk about their opinions like they're example of that was from a, a video very recently watched where person's talking about hell and Helheim and then combined it with the folk Christian hell where hell is a place of punishment and fire and doom and, and mayhem and no. I did appreciate that someone called them out on that. Yeah. But um, basically what it is is people have outsourced their thinking. And now there are people that are doing this. It's the same as a lot of things. There's there's malevolence and then there's ignorance. Mm-hmm. And I hate using that word now. But it's it's accurate where people don't know any better and then there are people that are doing it specifically to gain power. Right. Your bandits versus your stupid people. And you're well-intentioned idiots, because those are fairly common. Well, and like something that I I tell people that are interested in paganism and the Vikings, the ones I meet in real life, and they'll try talking to me about it. I'm like, here here's what you do. Go read the Eddas, and now give them my basic tips about ignore the lineages. They they only matter in very limited context, and it might change from story to story. Uh, the the many names and so I give them all those warnings and then I tell them you're smart enough to read it yourself. Yes, because this is actually something that has been a big problem, especially in the Asatru Norse pagan section, which is people are so worried that they won't be able to understand, quote unquote, these folk tales, these bardic songs that are the Eddas. Well, one mm-hmm. of them is actually basically a textbook of the two Eddas. That they will then go read other people's opinions about it. Yeah. And because they never actually read the text itself, or they just watch YouTube videos. The text as close to original as possible. They'll end up with opinions that aren't their own and ideas that aren't their own. And they'll spout them because they think it makes them look smart, like they did the right thing. Well, the knowing one told them, and the knowing one must know. Yes. Because look at how authoritatively they said this thing. Oh, yeah. Well, like how many people even now are authoritatively saying, wear your fucking mask because COVID is still a thing. Get your bajillion. Th- yeah. And injection. they say it with the utmost authority and reasonableness and, and all this why? other stuff. Because their priests said so. Well, and that's the thing is. And we were saying something along the lines of the knowing ones have become the new priests. Mm-hmm. I don't think that takes it far enough. And, no, and, in many cases, people treat the knowing ones like gods and the mouthpieces as the priests. Yes, that, that's actually more closely what it is. It's, and this is actually the giveaway. I'm not talking about people that are interested in science. I'm not talking about people that study chemistry, that study, I don't know, a geology, marine biology, things like that. I'm not talking about the actual people doing it because... More often than not, they're either just living their life or trying to do research. And again, I don't doubt that there are some malevolent in them, but that's the case with everything. But what it is, is the people that are the average person has gotten to the point where there are people that think that the scientists basically assemble atoms in a lab oh, yeah. to make stakes. Like or, not wood or st- ibuprofen or whatever. Like they have these these scientific machines and they're all sitting there and they're sterilized, whatever's as the machine, they, they program the machines to pluck atoms from the air to put together morphine or steel or this chicken. Is, this is just, it's the same issue that the mad scientist, the sort of super scientist trope in fiction has become is it's just the wizards, but they have, you know, machines and like scientific lasers instead of fireball. Right. <laughs> I mean, if you look at it, it's the exact same character. You're just pretending it's couched in scientific logic. Well, and um, some some of my favorite conversations with, I'm going to go with real knowing ones. So actual professors, people that are actually in the fields, right? Because I'll start complaining about academics. 
two and a half hours later because they're like, oh, yes. Two and a half hours later, they are winding down from their rant about other academics and their research methods and how uh, they they start with a hypothesis and then they start cherry picking evidence to support that while rejecting anything that goes against it. Oh, yeah. And we're not the first people to bring up the issues with this. There are people in those fields that have been screaming for years about how corrupt it's become. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my personal favorites is when there was like 10,000 authors on a single paper. Oh, yes. It's like there is no way this these were all authors. They just they just started tacking people's names mm-hmm. on to get their OK. And thing is, is what's ended up happening because of this is not only that the knowing ones are more or less corrupted, regardless if there is good, regardless if it's the mouthpieces or the actual knowing ones. But then there's the biggest issue, and this is the one that I think is actually the crux of it, is people have forgotten how to think. Mm-hmm. They no longer sit with their own thoughts and contemplate. And I don't mean contemplate in like a Marcus Aurelius or the Greek Stoic and how no, people think No, it's those silent thoughts that you have while you're doing the dishes the or sho- splitting the firewood or whatever. When you level up from shower thoughts to, yes. to more than just shower thoughts. And... Well, and think, how, think about how poignant most shower thoughts are. It's like, ta-da, or what, what's that phrase? Eureka. Yeah. Well, it's because it's just a moment that you finally quieted down. And in modern, in modern life, most people do not quiet down. And then it's like, like people who go and they finally get that, that simple life they've mm-hmm. been going for. But then they have to focus all this energy on starting a online business or becoming a social media presence to keep funding this simple life. They've ended up stuck in the same problem that they had before. Well, and we all like to learn. It's, it's part of the hyperborean nature. We love to learn things. But we have to be careful to not just simply repeat. We've been trained the mimic- almost from birth to mimic everything around us and, well, and that's, not that's part part of nature is mimicry that's how we learn but the other part is asking good questions i bring this up all the time and i would like to blame the school system the modern school system for for the uh teaching kids not to ask good questions but really it starts with the parents the uncles the brothers the sisters when the youngest asks why or sometimes it's stupid. Let's be honest. Sometimes it's just stupid questions. They're like, because I said so. And then when it's asked ask again, uh, bigger brother, sister might push them down, tell them to shut up. Uh, they might get a spanking from a dad or a grandparent or go to your room. I, I don't want to deal with you right now. And it starts there. And then it's just piled on in school. Oh, yeah. Well, it's one of the things that you notice when you start thinking about how the schooling system and how society is set up. And a lot of it can be traced to things like burnout or people just genuinely not knowing any better or something like that. Mm -hmm. But in schools especially, because, yes, it does start earlier than that, especially in modern society. Like you've pointed out that things like left-handedness is actually more prevalent, but we subconsciously train our kids to actually be more mm-hmm. right-handed than left-handed. So it's not necessarily that there's a majority left-hand, but it's not quite as small a number as people think it is. Right. But with schooling, and this is actually something that carries into adulthood where people listen to authority figures. So they're so trained to do that, that they no longer think for themselves. And I use the sleep, yeah. the sleeping well, because they're, they're taught not to question. That's why they just listen. And it starts from really, really young. Um, and, and I guess I should back up and say, I understand if parents have done that to their kids. Shoot. I've done it because sometimes you're just tired. Sometimes the question is just a bad question, but to kind of break that cycle, to use a lefty talking point, break the cycle instead something I found that works with some kids, it doesn't work with all of them, but go think about the question that you want to ask and then come back and ask me. Uh, Or if I told them to do the thing, do the thing that I told you to do. Think about the question that you want to, the actual question that you want to ask while you're doing it. And then when you're done, you can come back and ask me. Oh yeah. 
Well, it's like there was an example you gave that your elders did when you were a kid. You're like, why is the moon round? And your your elders were like, well, I don't know, but I can show you what I think might be. And then they started showing you like collapsed buildings have a tendency to become rounded if you do droplets right, drops of water. water. And then ask me what I thought. So you don't have to know everything. And sometimes it's just a bad question as well. Because yeah. there was times where I was told, Go do the thing that I told you to do because I told you to do it. And then think of the the question that you actually want to ask. What is it that you actually want to know? Well, that's another thing is the ability to ask questions is frowned upon nowadays mm-hmm. in modern society. Well, and that leads into when the knowing one says something. They say jump. We're in the air before we even ask how high. Well, a, and we've seen what has happened to society as people have become more and more reliant on the knowing ones. Mm-hmm. I mean, look at 2020, but basically the trust, we implicitly trusted our teachers and now look where that got us. We implicitly trusted our politicians for many of us, not all of us, obviously. Some people knew most of them were crooked as a snake's back, if not all of them. Uh, We implicitly trusted the priests of the Christian religion. Our people implicitly trusted science and medicine and all these things we treated them like miracle workers gods and priests and doctors men. and so on and so forth and now all that's crumbling and what's interesting is we're more or less at the point where if you asked people their opinion on most of these things you'd probably get a majority at least in this country negative answer mm-hmm. now there's exceptions to that rule but i think you can see the starting to crumble of those which is like the basic utilities People still trust that they're going to get water. But now people are noticing that some of the additives don't need to be there and actually have negative consequences like fluoride. Mm -hmm. Or uh, people will trust that their electricity will arrive in this country. But they're already starting to use the wet coal excuse in some areas. Right, from South Africa. So the trust in these most basic survival utilities is going to start crumbling. And this is why this is a double-edged sword, because on the one hand... For a society this large, you kind of need to be able to just not think about it. You have your job, you have your family, you have your day-to-day. You have to be able to just say, I don't need to know everything about electricity. I can fix something very simple when it happens, and then I have to get somebody that might know more than I do because it's just out of my wheelhouse. I don't need to have to worry about the power plant. There are hundreds of people taking care of that. Right. So there's a certain level of need there. But on the other hand, once you've gotten to the point where you are so implicitly trusting in the knowing ones, so implicitly accepting, obedient to the knowing ones, submissive, at a certain point, you no longer have your own thoughts. And this is actually what I think is the biggest crux, which is that if you don't have your own opinions, if you have not had the ability to think for yourself developed enough, then you are actually... You need to be able to think for yourself. And it's not just for yourself. It's for everyone around you. Mm -hmm. Your family, your friends, your community, your dog. You have to be able to think for yourself because if you don't, and then you will get your opinions from whatever source you currently view your as knowing authority. One. Yes, and then your knowing one a lot is able to use you as a tool and in some cases even a weapon against your own family, against your own community. We're seeing this happen everywhere people are being turned against their the very people they claim to care about the most because of what the knowing ones have said well and notice the biggest sin in society currently it's not even going against the flow it's asking questions asking those uncomfortable questions that they don't want to answer those are what's punished yes well It's because so many people have become so reliant on the knowing ones. And I'm using that as a blanket term because Mm -hmm. I defined it as scientist early on, but I also said it's, it's a broad, it's also their mouth, their mouthpiece. It's their mouthpieces. It's any authority figure because we treat them all basically the same and including just people that repeat. So it doesn't even have to be like the talking heads. It can be your neighbor, George. Oh yeah. Well, and the thing is, is there is naturally a hierarchy that does develop among people like this guy's stronger this guy's smarter that sort of thing but it's gotten too far Mm -hmm. that natural desire to work together has become we're acting like a hive instead of a pack yeah that that would be how i would describe it well and then with the questions 
because that's the part that, that I'm pounding on because you need the questions. You also have to be able to reason, not rationalize. And it's very easy to fall into rationalization. These two words mean two completely different things. To reason, to think logically about uh, one step after the other, to not only be able to absorb new information, but to kick old information out as it becomes apparent that it's not viable, it's, it's not right, doesn't fit the circumstance. Rationalization, on the other hand, is the, the thing where you start off with this concept and then you just keep adding to it to make it oh, yes. fit while ignoring things that tear it apart. Well, this is actually the giveaway to me that so many people don't actually think or don't actually mm-hmm. consider what they think about. They don't give themselves contempl- time to contemplate. They don't actually discuss it and have mm-hmm. to defend it. Because that's another thing is people – one of the worst thing that's happened to society is, well, you don't talk about two things in polite conversation, religion and politics. To then hell no, with being polite then. Yeah. But at a, cer- at a certain point, you are basically refusing on both sides to discuss or to talk about anything that you hold dear. Well, if you don't have to defend your position, is it actually your position? Oh, yeah. Well, because that's happened before where we'll end up in an argument with Christians and we're just sitting there like. Or with friends. Yeah. And basically, well, because that's another thing. Discussion is unbelievably important. But what I was going to say earlier before I forget is um, basically when you actually don't think about what you believe, you end up in a situation where you can hold two opposing viewpoints. And this is actually a good thing to be able to hold two opposing viewpoints at until you realize that they're contradictory. Because mm-hmm. this is the thing. is It's good to be able to hold two opposing viewpoints and see which one actually makes sense, basically as a, a weighted moment. Like, does this make yeah, more sense? Yeah, it's the, this make the scales. More yes. However, what's ended up happening is more of a shelf. Mm-hmm. And because you place all this information that's just programmed into you on a shelf, but you never put these two things together, then you never realize that they contradict each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good example of this, actually, and I didn't even realize this uh, until someone pointed it out when I and I, I had to say it out loud. I was probably like 21, 22, but I was talking to somebody and we ended up talking about like the barbarians of the north in Europe. And the guy was kind of half jokingly mocking them. I'm like, hey, I'm descended of the barbarians of the north, north. And he's like, yeah, me too. And I just had this moment of holy crap, I think that's the first time in my life I've ever actually said that out loud or mentally mm-hmm. understood what that entails. Because, Well, having, you grew up in a Catholic family. Uh, in a Catholic family, so your allegiance was to Rome. Yes, and that is one of the reasons that I am so adamant about... You can even see it with how some Catholics will talk. Their allegiance is to Rome. Not even, if you think about it, not even the Pope, not even the Catholic Church... Rome. Mm-hmm. And that it, the giveaway is because what do most people, especially in the Western world, consider their their origin? They don't trace themselves to the Germanic tribes. They don't trace themselves to the Celtic tribes. They trace themselves to Rome. It, even the Protestants do because they'll trace back their Protestant side and then, oh, well, that came from the Catholics and then the Catholics go to Rome and then for the most part, that's where it stops. Yeah. I mean, they don't necessarily even go back to Old Testament, like Judaism or like pre-Christian Rome. It's like a hard stop. It is this severed point. And because nobody ever thinks about that and nobody ever says it out loud because I didn't say it out loud till that point. Nobody ever realizes the full implications of that. When you're when someone of, I don't know, German descent who lives in Ohio watches Russell Crowe in Gladiator. They're not thinking those barbarians in that first scene are my ancestors being represented. No, as those are the people. other. Yeah, those are the other. They're placing themselves in Rome. They are part of Rome, even if they have absolutely no ancestry mm-hmm. in Rome. Absolutely no cultural ties other than that, that natural kind of bleed over that happens with the interaction that the North has had with Rome for the last couple thousand years. Well, and here's something I do because I'm curious like most people, and I, I read things. Sometimes I intentionally read things that are just uncomfortable because I I worry about confirmation bias. So if I catch myself in a position where I 
am I using confirmation bias? I will intentionally go out of my comfort zone and read shit that just pisses me the fuck off because I really quickly come to the conclusion they're ignoring all kinds of things and they're not stating anything that I haven't already heard before. But when I'm doing this, say a book, I start from the very first printed word, not the first printed word in the body, the very first printed word on the book, uh, printed in whatever place at whatever date. That's where I start. And then I read the forward. Uh, the, the, there's something before the forward. I forget what those are called. But there's like a, a cry. I read every word. And quite often, what you'll end up seeing is why the person wrote it in the first place. If they say something like, I myself am a monotheist, but I'm in, intrigued by the uh, pre-Christian polytheist uh, traditions of insert place. Now you on, you can understand that, yes, he might be interested in it, but he's running it through a monotheist lens. Why? Because he felt the, the need to explicitly state that he's a monotheist. He's a monotheist first, not a historian, not simply just somebody that's curious, not somebody that likes folklore like I found... Somebody that starts it with that is going to be different from somebody that says, as a young, as a youth, I found myself terribly intrigued by the folklore, which was told to me by my grandfather, who was told to him by his grandfather before, and the, the slight shifts or how it maintained its its original form or whatever. You're going to get something different from the folk, the person that's just interested in folklore versus the person that starts off with. I'm a monotheist. Well, and this is partly why discussion and debate, just among people that you care about, mm -hmm. like be able to have these discussions, civil discussions. Well, and try to tear apart each other's arguments, even if you agree. Yes. on And if you're talking to friends, family, neighbors, person you met at the diner, but being able to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. Like that's how we end up with certain things is we'll talk to people and they'll ask us a question we never really thought about. Like, or we hadn't really used that answer before, but it made sense. And it was the thing to say, which is like someone once when we were talking to someone we met at the diner and he brought up like, well, are these things real? Talking about Fae and elves. And your response was actually pretty good, which is as real as angels are to mm -hmm. Christians. And he's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Because all of a sudden he realized these pagan figures are just as valid and just like Christians where they're like they believe in angels or they have a lack of disbelief in angels or stuff like that. It's it's that same level of validity. And actually what Christians are doing by basically demanding because you could kind of see it wash over. Well, it. And when that person asked me, I could see on his face he had the aha gotcha moment. That That's what that question actually was. He was waiting because what he's asking me is, is it as real as a dog or the table that we're sitting at? Knowing damn well I couldn't say yes for certain because now I'm relying on belief, which is why I came up with the answer, as real as angels are to Christians. And it's true because this is the thing is people for some reason, and this is one of those examples of two contradictory opinions being held because people haven't thought about them too much. Mm -hmm. But the Christians demand of the pagans a far higher standard of research and evidence than they do for themselves. Mm -hmm. A big example of this is if we can't prove fairies are 100% real in every single facet of their lore, then they're just a fairy tale. They're just a story that's made silly up kids. fiction. But they can straight up present angels looking like Fae or looking like the Jedi, and nobody bats an eye. Mm -hmm. it, it is a complete double standard. And because a lot of pagans are so concerned with seeming like they're. We do not need to legitimize ourselves to them. Yes. Well, and we'll never be. We did a whole podcast mm -hmm. on that. No matter what you do, you are devil worshipers or just silly people to them. But it's a little like when someone's like, well, we have no proof that this deity that was written about several times and there's at least several folk tales of was real. It might just be made up by this Christian. 
So the, the holiday named after it, the customs associated with it, the several folk tales and the historic mentions don't count. But you can there's a completely valid saint in your religion that is literally just people thought Jesus was a bearded woman because why is he in a dress? Yeah. It, it, it's, it's a whole thing. And the knowing ones, they always state things in such matter of fact. Oh, yeah. They, well... No matter how full of shit they are. Well, it's like the anthropologist that I talk to sometimes. And I brought up to her because she was bringing up, you know, I've used this example before. where Well, and this is a good case of overthinking on her side. Yes, because she was thinking, we were talking about why women typically don't go and fight. And women do fight in wars. But it's specific circumstances. You don't typically send them off. And she was bringing up like the biological reason, which is like, well, if you lose most of the women, then you can't have more kids. Where if you lose most of the men, you still could have kids. And I brought up, nobody thinks that way. People don't think that way. The reason people aren't sending their women off to die is not the pragmatic breeding potential reason. It's because we love them and we're going to war to fight for them. Not to fight with them if we can avoid it to fight for them. And you could, she pretty much had never thought of it like that. And mm-hmm. she's, this is a smart woman. I actually like talking to her, but that is something she just hadn't considered because. Well, what, and we call her an anthropologist because that's her freaking job. Yes. That is her, her career, her vocation, which is another thing to bring up is these knowing ones to become a chemist. People treat it like it is a very Highly difficult job. And I suppose it is because I'm not a chemist. And so is building a house if you don't know yes. how. And that's the other thing is every vocation, every discipline requires a lot of work. And if you think about it, I'll use botany because that's the example I typically go with when I use this. If you have a botanist and you have a cobbler and they both spend decades perfecting their work, which one do you need more? In reality, because... People will say, well, we need the botanist, except we learned kind of during the same 2020 period of the whole trust the science era that uh, we don't need most of these scientists. But what we really need are gas station attendants, the essential workers, because surprise, surprise, when the chips are down, we have a bad habit, especially in this country. And I think it's it's a problem elsewhere of devaluing the most important jobs and raising up the most gas station attendant. The people that stock the shelves, the grocery store, the janitor, the trash man, the plumber, the electrician, the things that nobody typically values and thinks of as the drudgery jobs, Mm -hmm. but are by far the stuff that keeps everything from just crumbling into a fire. Yeah. Well, the trash men, the guys that go around and pick up the trash, they stop working for a couple weeks. People notice. Oh, yeah. It gets bad. However... Doctors stop working for a couple weeks. People are like, huh, where's all the doctors? Oh, yeah, people will die. I'm not going to sit here and pretend people people will die. But um, let's have for we'll do the one month challenge. Which ones are you most worried about not working for a month? The doctors, teachers, um, university professors, um, garbage men, construction workers. The water line guys, the so plumbers, the people that uh, work with electricity, including electric generation, um, gas station attendants, gas refineries. Who is it that we will miss least? It'll be the ones that I mentioned first. It's not that the ones with the highest prestige are actually the ones with the least level of yes. importance. That's why I brought up the botanist versus the cobbler. Well, and I know that there's some people out there. Well, you'd miss that doctor, sure shit, if you got your leg trapped under or whatever and then you had to have surgery. Yes, I would. But society would freaking crumble without the people keeping the water flowing, that electricity going to keep the water flowing. Oh, yeah. Well, just the people that keep the Internet up because so many stuff is co- is connected to the Internet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's we've actually worked ourselves into a corner with the Internet. Oh, yeah. If we lose the Internet, a lot of things collapse, in- including electricity, because a lot of it is synchronized now to the Internet. That was a poor, internet, which, it was a poor choice. Yeah, that was. Well, it's like we're they just, did not think that all the way through, I think. 
Well, this the constant desire to move to progress is because of the promised land of scientific yeah. discovery. And efficiency. Efficiency for efficiency's sake, which usually tends out to be, if you look backwards in time, not very efficient. Well, we brought it up on the last podcast. Universalism is universalism. And the knowing ones have become the priests of the new religion. Mm-hmm. And their promised land is basically, we'll eventually get to the point where this is a utopia of scientific advancement. Star Trek, Star Trek shall we'll be We'll turn real. into energy beings with this special machine yeah. and be gods. So it's, it's a whole thing. But the reason, I just want to really emphasize this, is the cobbler versus the botanist. Everyone will think the botanist is the more important job. However, when's the last time you got anything from a botanist? And but when's I, the last time that you wore a pair of shoes? Yes. <laughs> Which one's more important? And then we also noticed what's happened ever since we've started mass producing shoes is shoes have gotten worse and feet are getting sick. Like yeah. We're getting sick because of our feet. Like, I don't think people understand that we do not want to lose the art of cobbler. No. I mean, we can start going Johnny Appleseed and just get really hairy hobbit feet with really thick calluses. But I don't think most this people want to go This is a possibility. But, yeah, people's going to resist that. But, yeah, the, and... It's not to say any particular job is completely without use or value. Oh, no. It's just the the position of importance is inverted. Well, And here's the other thing that I really want to drive into people before. So I'm just going to come right out and say it. You are smart enough to think for yourself. Yep. We started with it because that was the important bit. You are capable of thinking for yourself. Almost all of our people. Yes, there are the exceptions to the oh, rule. There's always the exception to the rule, but, but really the exceptions just prove the rule. Well, and the thing is the knowing ones are behaving as priests. And the thing is priest just means elder, or you can also argue it means father. And mm-hmm. it's because the people that were the spiritual, social, educational core of the family mm-hmm. were the elders. They were the patriarch, the matriarch. The great granduncles, well, the fathers, the mothers. The father is the spiritual leader of his family, especially of his children. The grandfather is the spiritual leader of his son who has sons. His the responsibility of that falls mostly on the father, but the grandfather can guide the, the father himself. Well and we don't need you don't need me to guide your family. You don't need Ike to guide your family. You need to guide your family. We can bounce some ideas off from you. You can argue with us to hone your skills. You can potentially take some things that we've said and think about it and be like, huh, that's true. Yeah, I did know that. I just never really thought about it. Well, it's the it, the issue is, is that paganism often emphasizes, and I'm ta- using paganism as a broad brushstroke here. Paganism often emphasizes personal responsibility and freedom, Mm -hmm. liberty, basically. These are things that are very, very important and integral. The concept of the free man versus the thrall. And that the freeman is lionized and the thrall is obviously looked down upon. But a lot of people, when they start getting back into paganism, they have this bad habit of trying to find a knowing one to tell them what to do. Mm Mm-hmm. And yes, don't just make it up as you go along. That's it's it's much like the No, beat. everything's got to be pressure tested. Yes, well, hit it with a stick. Hit everything we say with a stick. We tell oh, please. Yes, I don't want to be a knowing one. That's such a stupid Don't just situation. take what it is that we say and run to another knowing one who says something completely opposite and be like, "Oh, well, these guys here are full of crap or the the other knowing one is full of crap because my favorite knowing one said a thing." No. Smash the two ideas together and see which one holds up. Yes. And here's the thing is we have actually turned so many fields, so many fields. And it's actually a perversion of a natural uh, hyperborean pagan way, which is if everything is spiritual, then you might not notice the difference between cutting an onion and talking to your dead loved one's grave. Mm -hmm. You might not notice just that they're pretty much the same level of spirituality in their own ways. But it's, we have basically turned every knowing one situation because no one thinks of like trash pickup as a mystery school, right? The mis the occult traditions of the trash <laughs> man, but the occult secrets, secrets of our Lord and savior, Oscar, the grouch, right? <laughs> but, um, so many things have turned into a mystery school and I'm going to use math as an example. Math at its core 
is basically four things. Addition, subtraction, multiplication, and division. I will do you one better. It's actually addition and subtraction. Nothing more, nothing less. Everything else is just variations on addition and, su and subtraction. Fair enough. Multiplication and division are just shortcuts short for, for adding and subtracting. Yes, and it's also the same with uh, almost every other f element of math is just finding different shortcuts or methodologies mm -hmm. for those. But it's just, do you have more or do you have less? This is the most basic element of math. Now... You look at movies and TV shows. Oh, yeah, they, with the big board full of this massive equation that has letters. And, and at the end, they're going to solve time travel. Yes. With, like, just a special shape and Ant-Man. Well, and the reality, and, and they've turned it into this, this strange, esoteric, almost religious thing concerning math. When really that big, long equation, it's just a recipe. It is a effectively no different from a bread recipe or a recipe for making steel or a recipe for making fertilizer. It's just numbers put together in a string and there is an order of sequence. Well, and we ascribe math basically as a superpower. It is a superpower. Like think about, uh, and I, I mean like in fiction, we use it as a superpower. Oh yeah. Like the, uh, the thing we've been joking about for a few days where, you got the the kid. He do, he's really good at math, and he can. And they they they've done it in movies where TV shows. they make it so that math is like this this super thing up on a and it, you can throw up on a pedestal. And yeah, the the kid's sitting there uh, under pressure, and as he's as he's in the audience, or uh, is it are they called an audience? Anyways, as he's in the audience, he can see the the star basketball player, and they draw the. The line and they have all the equations and the geometry and he's like oh no he's gonna miss if only i was to take the shot i could make it because i'm super good at math and then later in the movie he's in the same position and he makes the shot because he's super good at math no well and i'm not downplaying the importance of math what i'm doing is just trying to make it clear it's not magic yeah. Well, it's not magic in the way that people think of it, where if I solve this equation and just apply it to my time machine, I can go see Morlocks. Yeah. Like, uh, th that's that's not how this is working. And it, it and it's not that any of these fields that the knowing ones study are useless. They're, no, in many cases, they're very useful. Like, I, I'm not going to frown on our development of surgery. I'm not going to frown. Oh, we are so good at surgery now. Yeah. We can do things that we just should not do. Yes. But one of the... One of the most egregious examples of this mystification of math, and I'm going to bring up a few examples. Uh, there's a beautiful mind. I, I barely remember that film I saw when I was a kid. But the big one is actually numbers. Mm -hmm. There was this TV show that ran for like nine seasons, and it was like a crime-fighting mathematician and his FBI brother. And, and they really mystified this math. And, and a lot of the math they used was somewhat valid, but it, it's given powers and abilities that it shouldn't like the basketball thing what nobody realizes no matter how good you are at math unless you have the athleticism to also back it up there's no guarantee you can use that math and then in the middle of a game you aren't doing by the equations. time you have the physical ability to do it you no longer need the math yes not to mention you don't have time yes well and that's like uh People have tried to say, well, you need algebra to be a competitive stone skipper. First of all, yes, apparently that's a thing. But the other thing is, no, it's just... The, you meant the competitive stone skipping, not the algebra. Yes, right? algebra is real, I think. And so Pretty is, sure. the, so is sure. competitive stone skipping. Both these things are equally real. Yes, I'm pretty darn sure algebra is real. I had to take it in school. <laughs> Don't remember much of it. Uh, that feeling you have in high school if you're never going to use any of this is real. Yes. But that's math. And then it, it keeps showing up because it, they had a whole like weird Jewish mysticism math show called Touch. Mm -hmm. um, it's sh the whole like using math to get a perfect throw. That showed up actually in the last the most recent season of Rick and Morty where Summer got like a big brain thing in one scene and like was able to stop Morty with a perfect math throw of a frisbee yeah it doesn't work that way no it doesn't work that way especially because canonically in that scene she also had no coordination mm -hmm. no dexterity 
She should not have been able to make that throw no matter how smart she was. But this is what's happened is we, we – and that's just one example because it's the same with astronomy. It's the same with so many other things. And part of it – and it, it comes from a good place actually. Some of this, not all of it. A lot, a lot of it is actually just a method of control and keeping people from asking questions and being able to think critically. But one of the reasons that a lot of this happened was to get people interested in these fields. Mm -hmm. We want people interested in science, so we got to present it a certain way. And you end up with people that are borderline treated as holy men, the acolytes of the knowing ones, who are just actors paid to put on a white coat and go and talk about math on TV. Like Bill Nye the Science Guy. Yeah. Bill Nye the Science Guy is not a scientist. He's an actor that plays a scientist on TV. Oddly enough, there's also a scientist that plays a Russian boxer in a Rocky movie. So Yo, things are interesting. Well, there's there's a lot of, of layers to this, including not everything is logical or reason or reason based, which I don't think is a good description. But we we've covered like the sciences with math. And the knowing ones there. There's also the emotion side of things. Like, Grandma just died. And we just planted her in the ground. And I'm very sad. And I am I find myself just talking to my grandma as I'm doing the dishes or vacuuming the floor or whatever the hell it is I happen to be doing. You have knowing ones that build up around that and they have for a very long time of, Oh, you need to talk to me so that I can tell you how to talk to your grandma in the afterlife. And then I can tell you all about the afterlife. And let's be honest. This is not logical. It, it's There's really no reasoned thought behind it. It is an instinctive thing that we do. Oh, yeah. It's... But yet knowing ones crop up around this and... Some are genuinely trying to help. Others are malicious as fuck. Oh, yeah. Well, How to tell who's who, that's the question. Well, the the funerary service in the United States is it's predatory. It's predatory. It's corrupt beyond belief. Like, there have been people that have uh, put out exposés, whole books on how corrupt this is. And it's just getting worse because they have that much well, and the control. The deeper you dig into it, the more corrupt you realize it is. And it has been for a very long time, and that it's getting worse. Even with some of these green, is that what they're calling it? The green burials where they put you in a sack and then plant a tree on top of you? And it's intended, actually, to herald back to It's a perversion of tradition. Yeah, it's a perversion of tradition. They even openly admit it. Oh, yeah. Well, the thing is, is one of the traditional burials, because we had many. I'm not going to sit here and pretend that there was only one traditional burial in Europe, but a pretty common one was burying someone under a tree mm -hmm. or planting a tree above them. And there's various reasons for that, but that's a whole nother topic. But this was a personal affair where you might bring them back to your, your family home, your clan home so that they could be laid to rest with their ancestors. Right. Or you might, this actually happened as well, being buried in the wall, being buried in the floorboards, being buried under the hearth. That's a really, 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 really old custom. Mm -hmm. And really common. And, these are things that we're just not allowed to do anymore, but these are our traditional burials. American burials and cemetery traditions are so new that calling them traditional is – to call them traditional is to call um, critical race theory traditional. Right. Or communism or whatever. Well, and here's the thing is the, the funerary – um, companies, their knowing ones, are going to get in the way of the natural, the natural burials. That's what they're calling them, the natural burials. Unless you go through them, they're, they actually have a huge lobby in America, and then they they coordinate with burial stuff over in Europe as well. It, it's in all of our countries, but they're the knowing ones, and they're going to do everything that they can to ensure that you have to go through them. You have to go through the knowing ones. Why? Well, it's because you don't know. Actually, there's one line we, we wrote it for uh, Masha, mm -hmm. and it's so poignant, it's very true, which is 
People are content in the knowledge that they already know and so never think to question. Mm -hmm. And actually, there are many people who are moving specifically to get to a position where you know that they're right. Yeah. And you never think to question them. And don't you dare question them. Well, and this is this is the absolute biggest thing is you can think for yourself. Mm -hmm. Our people can think for themselves. They can come to their own conclusions. Well, we're relying on on the audience to think for themselves. Yes. Well, because that's that is the core of what we do. We're not we are not trying to tell you how to think. We're trying to make you think, period. Yeah. And make is, I guess, the right word because we're kind of dicks honestly yeah. we're forced we're i mean like, really there is no good turn of phrase that hasn't already been corrupted beyond well belief. i use several in this episode ignorant being one of them yeah holistic well and but what about history surely history hasn't been corrupted oh oh, oh just remember back a few years ago where we watched it in live time as they rewrote history oh yeah well, in live time well Two of the biggest examples in recent memory, the January 6th protests mm-hmm. and uh, the COVID narrative. Yep. It was rewritten. Well, and we can we can also throw in the election where numbers are flipping live time. It's already been called and the numbers are flipping. And then they will. Then they said one minute after they said a thing. The complete opposite and claim that they said it one minute ago. Well, a big example of that is actually like the Ukraine-Russia war. Mm hmm. People say one thing, and then it turns out, no, that's a complete lie. Yeah. But what do you think the history books are going to say? You know, if they're ever written right. at this point. And, and it's not ignore them all. It's No, just take it with a block of salt. Well, the and best. think about it and cross-reference with other things. And the truth is somewhere in the middle. Well, uh, really, if you want the, the harshest truth about history, you look at the money. Well, Follow the accountants. Well, one of my favorite things to read is actually just old old journals or people writing about stuff that happened when they were young. Mm -hmm. Like one of my favorite books I've read recently actually is the old man and the boy by Robert Ruark, which is just a collection of short stories he wrote that are recounting more or less his childhood with his grandfather in, I think it's North Carolina, but there's so many little interesting things that he's recounting from his early life. And I'm sure he flowered them up a little bit. Of course. But He'll bring up some stuff that I would not have thought like an old man who grew up, you know, in the post-Civil War and during the Civil War would be bringing up. Like, they're at the woods and the grandfather just tell, starts telling him about, like, Greek gods and Pan and actually chastised the kid at one point for mixing up Venus and Aphrodite. Mm-hmm. Like, these are things that stuck with him into adulthood. And other little things, like, people will say, well, people work... Uh, people uh, work less than they ever did. Really? Really? Let's look back here. Yes, this these people worked very hard. But they also had good stretches of time where they could just sit in the sun. For days at a time. Go hunting. Days at a time. And yes, they had school and they had all these other things. Like another thing. But it, they- was very, it was done very differently. They actually, when they worked, they worked. And when they didn't. They didn't. Yeah, it wasn't go to work, go home. It was, okay, this is the period of work, and this is the period of I got to take care of my house. I got to take care of my animals. I'm going to fuck my wife every day because I haven't seen her in several months. Well, most of it was seasonal work. Yeah. Even, even like factory work, for the most part, was seasonal. Yeah, and then you got paid well enough. And this is actually a thing you can find if you start reading about like accounts from, like I don't know, France. Mm-hmm. Where people would go to an area that had a lot of work. They'd work for a season, and then they'd go home. They'd actually end up spending most, if not all, of the money they made on a big-ass party with their family and community. And then it would be winter, and they would basically hibernate. Mm -hmm. And this was the life for a lot of people. Or things like, well, we can't. dogs being used for jobs is so mistreated. No, keeping the dog at home doing nothing and just being bored and fat. That's mistreating a dog. Yeah. Dogs actually used to work so much, so well and enjoyed it enough, they would teach their puppies to do the job. There were trades for dogs in old Europe and probably over here as well. Right. Well, people like having a sense of purpose. Why would a dog not? Well, especially because we've effectively made dogs into werewolves. Yes. They're, they're part human and they're part wolf. 
they are neither a wolf nor a man, but they have these traits of both now. Mm-hmm. Why would a dog not want a purpose? That's why we use... Well, you're part of its pack, so whatever it is that you're doing, the dog wants to be part of it. Yes, it's it, like... That's pack nature. Well, and the way dogs used to work in Europe before we really uh, formalized the breeds was... These are the hunting dogs. These are the tracking dogs. These are the retriever dogs. These are the guard dogs. And that was broadly their job. But there were also dogs that were delivery dogs and cart dogs and would help fan the bellows. And these are things that people never bring up. And then people will say, well, it's cruel to a dog to do X. I'm like, really? Really? Is it cruel for you to have purpose? To have something to do every day other than lie around? Because... I don't doubt that there are people out there that like to just lie around, but most of our people, it's the right. same well, thing that the drives our curiosity. The people that call it cruel are the knowing ones. They just know that it's cruel to have your dog do a thing. It's it's animal abuse, and they know it. They know it because their knowing one told them that, and they know it because their knowing one told them that. And none of them ever stopped to question the quality of life of the dog that just lays around and does nothing. They've never stopped to question. Yeah, dogs are not cats. Well, and even cats like, like to, to do, do things. That's why they try to run outside. If you have an indoor cat, it tries to run outside because it's just tired of being inside. Yeah, I mean. It wants to go outside and do cat things. And I've seen where cats will actually help humans in their weird catty ways, or they try. Yeah, usually they end up getting in the way, but they're trying. They're trying to be involved. Best cat is Bobcat. Yeah. Best cat. It's Yeah, it's the only cat worth having is Bobcat. <laughs> and that's another thing is the same knowing ones will tell you things like, well, you don't want to interact with animals. That's abnormal. Meanwhile, animals in the wild hanging out pretty often. Right. Well, approaching humans and asking them for help. They understand that we will kill them, but they also understand we will help them. Yes. Well, it's a lot like um, our people are pretty good at making friends with animals. And that's a whole topic onto itself. But that's why you can have, and I mean friends. I don't mean pets. I don't yeah. mean you have it on a leash or you lock it inside or it's in its cage. It's that that uh, magpie that shows up every day for, for tea because you rescued it from the, the ground when it was a chick and you raised it and... You let it go. So basically all you did was just keep it from dying, and it went off, flew away, did magpie things. It comes back and has tea with you every morning. It's the squirrel that you rescued as a baby. and Or maybe even didn't rescue. Yeah, it's just a friend with yours, and it'll guard your house. There are guard squirrels that our people have. Uh, Deer, uh, musk ox, there's many animals that our people are pretty chill with. Like, does... People don't realize that how we got wolves was probably something as simple as a friendly wolf and a person well, had that, the that Stone one, Age uh, equivalent you, of a muffin. That Yeah, that one YouTube short is probably the best one. I think I've shared it on one of the channels somewhere where the dude's like dancing and it, it shows human and wolf and the human's eating the muffin. And then he hands the, the wolf, which is just himself with a wolf over his head, a muffin. And they're still dancing. He eats it, and the the sign switches to dog, and he looks up, and he's like, eh, <laughs> and he just keeps on dancing. That is remarkably close to probably actually what happened. Yes, it's not that complicated. We almost had hyenas, cheetahs, well, we uh, were zebras, domesticating them until the wildlife conservation whatevers stepped in and says, "Come on, guys, you, you, it's a hyena. You can't have a hyena as a pet." But he's not my pet. He's my friend. And his name is Mr. Sir Ren- Reginald to yeah. you. And they, they, well, you, okay, you can have them, but you got to buy a special license to have the hyena, to have the ostrich, to have the whatever. It, we make freaking friends with the animals. We also kill animals, and the animals understand that we have this ability, which is probably why they choose to be friends when possible. Yes. Well, and what it is is I'm convinced this is part of the reason they made us stop in like Africa with these various domestication projects. Oh, we was breaking the narrative. Yes. Well, because people, it's still said today, why zebras can't be domesticated. It's all bullshit. Yeah. Let me present to you the racing zebra or the racing ostrich or, oh, the Indian elephant could be domesticated, but not the African gray elephant. Let me present to you African gray elephant who is 
friends with this guy and or, the whole herd is. Oh, there, there's whole books that misrepresent stuff. And I used to actually like one of them. But it was, breaks that narrative because the narrative is the Africans didn't do this because it's impossible to do this. And now we show up and 10 years later, we got Mr. Cheetah Chewies. Yes. We make friends with animals. We, well, we make friends with animals. We invent stuff. We make cool shit. And the reason that a lot of this ends up getting pushed is there's a specific narrative to be held. And, and it must be upheld at all costs. Well, and I think... And, was, and that narrative is maintained and safeguarded by the knowing ones. Well, and then this you is dare the, not question. This is the other thing is the knowing ones do not agree across the board. First of all, you can get two experts from the same field and they'll they'll freaking disagree like crazy. Oh, yeah. The only thing that is for certain is experts never agree. Which is why when people say things like, well, experts say or experts agree, which experts? The entire, the knowing ones inherently disagree. It's like if you get two priests that don't think they're being watched, they'll argue over theology. Oh, they'll they'll box over it. But uh, yeah, actually, we've already run an hour and we're just getting warmed up, but we got to go. Um, all right. So yeah, I think we got another show next week. We'll I'll see you guys next week. Um, I make no other promises. Yep. And I'll say you can think for yourself. Don't make the mistake we keep making. The new druids kind of suck. And really, you're further off being able to think for yourself, think critically. You don't have to know everything, but you should probably have a good bullshit filter. And don't just become a tool of some knowing one. <laughs>